having a bad day? Are you feeling hung in the middle? Or are you just feeling hung? Tonight, I'm joined by the fabulous Alana Nicole Scholler to discuss being hung in the middle. Her book, It's the Fabulous D Show, and it all starts right now. It's the Fabulous D Show. The Fabulous D. The Fabulous D. And unearthing all the underground. Author, speaker, mind changer, game changer, lifesaver, Alana Nicole Scholler, welcome to the Fabulous D Show. Thank you. How are you tonight? Uh, Done good, done good. Hung in the Middle is your first book published last year and is about your journey on the road of gender discovery, but so much more. I love how the story was told. Usually books about transgender discovery start, you know, blah, boring, my name was Bob, I'm not Bob anymore. But you started it off really interesting, um, using uh, stories through sessions with your therapist. Now, you're a really good storyteller. Have you always been? Yeah, they, <laughs> uh, it's always, uh, people always talk about um, my storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, kind of a thing I grew up doing, and uh, uh, just I suppose, you know, uh, reading uh, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, you know, better known as Mark Twain and stuff, yeah. just kind of uh, had a lot to do with that. And I've always had a love of, uh, you know, um, listening to a lot of old-timers tell their tales uh, here on the farms in Kentucky. Right. And, uh, you're you're on in Kentucky, just in case anyone didn't know. So there's a lot of storytelling in Kentucky. Well, you know, growing up on the horse farms and all, and cattle farms and stuff like that, uh, we'd sit around on five-gallon buckets, uh, you know, and stuff, and uh, some of the old-timers would tell you stories that make you roll, you know, and sometimes you'd hear ghost stories, but and it, it was just uh, uh, listening to a lot of them talk and, and stuff like that. It just really, really, I, I've always fell in love with uh, not only telling stories, but listening to the old-timers tell their tales. Right. And how about writing? Were you always a writer? Uh, now, writing <laughs> was never something that I even thought about. Uh, a lot of people had uh, talked to me about, you know, writing my, uh, the stories and stuff, uh, about, you know, driving the fast cars, uh, uh, my desire to be a junkie before I got too tall, and I galloped thoroughbreds on the race, you know, tr- uh, training for the racetrack for uh, a few years and uh, stuff like that. Uh, so a lot of people... You know, due to the fact that I survived so many car wrecks and and a lot of bad falls off of horses, and I never got hurt, never was in the hospital uh, due to any of these injuries or anything, uh, a lot of people found that pretty amazing. They always, you know, you need to put these in a book, you know, tell these stories. It's it's really wild what you and your brother said when you were kids. But, you know, 
it just I never could really see right in the book because I knew I had a secret. Hmm, right. And unless, you know, and, and personally, for me, if you can't tell the truth, you know, what's the point? Because, you know, I, I, that's, I'm about truth and honesty and stuff like that. And for me to write that book and, and leave out the fact that I had all these things going on inside of me, that I didn't understand, wouldn't it be like I was lying to the, uh, the reader? Right. And, and you so, are, you're transgendered, and that, that really did, it was a, a background of, of everything in your life. You know, you were, you were kind of driven in a lot of ways from this secret, from this, this thing that you didn't really understand at all. Right. And so, you know, uh, once I come out, you know, then I was able to write the book. And, I mean, I knew when I was eight years old I was different, right. you know, uh, but I never would admit it to myself. I, of course, wasn't a way I could tell nobody here in Kentucky, you know, uh, right. especially uh, where I was being raised and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was just 1969. Uh, it just wouldn't have been good, you know. So, uh, so basically, you know, I just uh, had to go into a really um, this big dark hiding mode, you know, and and I wouldn't even admit that I was different to myself, let alone to anybody else. So, you know, it just really, really was a difficult time. Yeah, because really back then, you know, no internet, no no real support groups out there that that were vis- were visible at least. And you didn't really understand it yourself, and you were getting it mixed up with you thought you might be gay, and and right. you know nobody wanted to be gay, especially then. And uh, it, you really you grew up in a really small town, and and are you still there now, or are you near there? Oh, I'm I'm still right here in this small town and love it. You know you can't you can't pry me out of this town. Which know? is amazing. I mean, I really loved how even though you know you grew up in it and and it's scary to come out in such a small place of of people who don't might not understand, but you're still there now and you are out and and apparently doing really well. Yes, uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, one of my favorite hangouts is the sheriff's department. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, and really? uh, one of my uh, biggest fans here is the deputy sheriff here in town, and he's been to a couple of book signings, and uh, he came to the. I was accepted into the Kentucky Book Fair, which was really yeah. amazing because you know, I mean, the Kentucky Book Fair is a huge thing. Sure. You know, and when we submitted the book, they were like, "Well, you know, you're self-published. It's your first book. You know." The odds of you getting into Kentucky Book Fair aren't that good, mm-hmm. but send us a copy. We'll read it. You know, actually, I had to send them, I think, two copies. Right. And we'll read it, And uh, but, you know, no promises. And because about 150 to close to 200 authors are uh, permitted to take part in the uh, book fair, but about 400 to 500 authors will apply. Mm, but only two, uh, maybe close to 200, 150 to 200 will be uh, selected. And so, you know, we submitted the book, and lo and behold, they selected my book to be in the Kentucky Book Fair. And so uh, going there was a blast. You know, we had the author's reception the night before, and I met a couple of celebrities (laughs) um, there, which was grand, and I was able to take my mother to that, and she just uh, uh, loved it, of course, because she's a a big-time reader. You know, she loves books and loves reading, so that was just a really big treat for her. And then, of course, she comes to the book fair the next day. And uh, But then I met Mary McDonough at the book fair, and we'd done a video together, and Mary McDonough 
with Aaron Walton on the old TV show The Walton. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then after meeting her, they have become really good friends with her brother, uh, Michael McDonough, and he's uh, doing some little uh, uh, movies on YouTube and got all kinds of awards and stuff. So, you know, it's just really been amazing with the people I've, I've met and uh, who I've become friends with and stuff like that, and it's really been a trip. But, uh, but getting in accepted into the kentucky book fair was probably uh, that that was huge that is huge and and the title of the book hung in the middle you know when you look at it you, you think the obvious or at least i thought the obvious or what it was obvious right, to right. me but when i got into reading it it's not actually completely what we may think it is and i was right. really thrilled with that double entendre there tell us about the definition of hung in the middle what it means to you other than literally being hung in the middle, right, right, yeah, it, it was a it was a big kind of wordplay thing. You know, we realized you know a lot of people might get the wrong impression of the title. Uh, actually, my publisher tried to reject the title <laughs> at first. You know, because he told me he was like everybody else. He right. was like, just way way out there. You know, that's that's not good. And so one day I called him on the phone. and I'm like, Jeff, you know, here's the deal. You know, and so once I explained what my idea of being hung in the middle meant, then, okay, okay. And then, of course, then we put a journey of gender discovery below that, which right. kind of, we thought might help take the focus off of what people might thought would, yes. um, was the obvious. But, but being hung in the middle, I mean, a lot of times, you know, we get stuck in a lot of different situations, being uh, stuck in the middle of maybe uh, two friends who are in an argument, and they want us to take one side or the other, and we don't want to. And to me, that's like being hung in the middle. Right. You're hung in the middle of two friends that's in an argument. You don't want to be involved <clears throat> and stuff like that or being hung in the middle of any kind of a decision that's, uh, that, you know, you've got more than one choice. Right, stuck between two things. And I, I just love right. when that came out. I'm like, oh, my God, that's perfect, perfect. <laughs> so, so that is uh, uh, actually the original title was going to be, I wanted it to be Betwixt and Between. <laughs> You know, I and that. I googled that, and there was a lot of books out there using that title, really? and of course, a lot of them had like little subtitles to that. Mm. But you know, after I seen so many, it's like, well, you know, I don't want to use that; it's way overused. Yeah, definitely. You know, and stuff. So you know, so therefore, I went into probably four weeks or more. My mind just said, okay, what's the? Because the book was finished, and I had no title. <laughs> you know, right. and so um, I was getting ready to go. To, crawl in bed one night and Bobby said well you know don't you think of a timeline and now I'm still hung in the middle and uh <laughs> it was like whoa hang out <laughs> that's it perfect that's, and so that's when you know it's a good thing when it comes to you just like that yeah yeah it just you know right out of the blue you know the words just come out of the mouth and as soon as I heard them it was like okay yeah that's got to be it and so, like I say, uh, and if you abbreviate that, of course, you know, it comes out him. Oh, wow. I, so, <laughs> I didn't even think of that, that. That's something I didn't think about. So a lot of people uh, ask about him. They won't use the entire title. They'll just ask about him. And uh, I've had that to happen that's, a lot. That's so, almost uh, eerie. I like so, it. So, you know, so, yeah, and that wasn't planned, really? by the way. It just turned out that way. Yeah, it's kind of spooky how it just turns out that way because that's very that that's poetic, yeah. almost poetic. Yeah. Now, and you mentioned your mother earlier going to the book fair. Throughout the the beginning of the book, well, throughout all of the book, 
I was really, I, I was in love with your attachment to your family and you were really committed to them. And in the end, it ended up, they, they accepted you still. I really think that speaks volumes as far as how attached you were to your family. And, and they, they really helped you get through everything, even though they didn't know you were going through all this stuff. And I think people could really take a lesson from that true devotion to the to the family. And your parents actually had a, a, a radio background. They were very musical. Uh, yes. Uh, when we, I was born in Western Kentucky. And uh, when I was really small, uh, they had a radio show. And my, my father loved music. I mean, he lived and breathed music, and that's all he ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And he played in a lot of different bands, and uh, yeah, they had a radio show down in Western Kentucky for a while, and uh, stuff like that. And so, you know, he was determined. Once we moved here to Versailles, uh, when I was eight years old, he lost all his musical connections down in Western Kentucky, which is not too far from Nashville, you know, and stuff. And so, I suppose at that point, he become determined. Okay, if I don't have a band to play with here, I will raise a band. And so, you know, it just, uh, we really didn't have, my older brother, he fell into music. I mean, he could play instruments you put in front of him. He was just that away, you know, and none of us read music. We all play by ear. But he could he could pick up anything and just play it. Hmm. And right now he's making a pretty big splash up in Lakeson playing music where he works. You know, he'll play during his breaks and stuff and just all kinds of tips, playing the grand piano awesome. in the lobby of the hospital where he works at. <laughs> so, you know, he's making a splash doing that. But, uh, but you know, it just, uh, my brother, my older brother fell into it, but I was kind of reluctant. I really didn't want to. Right. But with my, with my father, you know, getting me the, the bass guitar and stuff and different things. And one thing led that I wound up in music myself. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, we, we just, you know, it's a thing that he loved and, and so, you know, we've we done that for quite a while and everything off and on. And, and I, I can't, I enjoyed it. You know, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. and had a good time, but uh, but it just never was really the thing that I wanted for me, right. you know, personally, you know. And, and in turn, you turned out to be a writer instead. That's, that's a very, you're turning into an artistic family. Well, you know, uh, actually, you know, once I uh, left the music and everything, I've actually wrote wrote music. I have a studio here at home, awesome. and uh, I still have guitars and stuff, and uh, a piano and stuff. And you know, something can happen that'll trigger something, and I'll write a song. So yeah, I write. Well, actually, I started out writing music, and then you know, uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how it came about. I was doing something. Well, it was right after I lost my job, my last job. Uh, I had nothing to do. <laughs> and so, you know, people kept coming to me about the book, the book, the book. And so finally, it was like one day, I was like, okay, you know, I don't, I, there's nothing going on. Let me see what happens. Wow. So I started writing, I couldn't stop. You know, it just started yes. coming out. And it's like, for I knew it, I had, you know, I had a book. And so, uh, so writing the book was kind of, you know, just a spur of the moment. I have nothing better to do. Let's write a book. You know, I'll, I'll write the story that everybody's been wanting me to write. I'm seeing a theme with writers on, on my show, because that actually happened with me myself, and I'm having deja vu, because I've interviewed a few people, and they say pretty much the same thing. It's like, we come to these points where there's nothing to do, and we really wanted to write it, 
So, well, well, let's just write it. And then it just flows, and it's perfect. Right. That's awesome. And, and I, I think when, it, when uh, which Bobby, is a, uh, from, I'm sure you gathered this from the book, but she's really got this big positive attitude about her. and She does, um, yes. And, and stuff, and I mean, she really has been a big influence uh, on a lot of things that I do, you know, um, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, uh, she was a really, really important factor uh, in the book getting completed mm-hmm. and done because, I mean, she'd done all the proofread, a lot of proofreading. She'd done uh, help with all the editing and, and stuff like that. And, I mean, so she was a, a really big uh, inspiration in that and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, um, she has really, really... In her way, I, I, I don't want to use the word pushed because she she, <laughs> she, she wouldn't push me at all. But she's strongly encouraged. <laughs> yes, there you go. That's a good way to put it. But so you know, but she she's always got the style of stuff, and so you know, it, it's one of situations how she uh, um, brings it to my attention and stuff. Where you know, you just automatically something about it, you want to do it and, and and just go for it and do it. And so she's always supported me and and stuff like that, and having that makes you want to do things, right. you know, and, and drive to be better and stuff like that. And so she's really, really, um, um, probably should get a whole lot of credit for a Absolutely. lot of things that's happened in my life and as far as writing the book and, and a lot of the music that I wrote in the past, you know, hmm. um, I've done because of my connection with her right. and, and wanting to do more and do, do better, you know, stuff like that. So I give her a lot of credit. She's a muse. I can tell by her eyes. She's fabulous and very positive. I like her. She is. She is. And one of the things you did say, and going back to your family just for a minute, um, growing up, you said mom and dad always cared about what people thought, but you and your brother never did. And I think that speaks volumes from one generation to another. I think the the previous care far too much. Right. And and compared right, to now, you know. Yeah, my parents, of course, you know, and, and I'm, you know, especially back then, and and you know, I know uh, a lot of others probably went through the uh, same experience, you know, with uh, oh, what are our friends going to think, you know? What uh, will the neighbors you know, say? Yeah. yeah, what will the neighbors think, you know? And of course, they were just in a small town. My dad was in the Masonic Lodge. My mom was in the Eastern Star. Of course, all the church friends and stuff like that. So you know, a lot of things they were involved with involved in was religious based stuff right. and and a lot of their connections like uh, John and Evelyn Connolly I, I don't know if you're familiar with the country singer John Connolly mm, uh, yes. he had a hit song Rose Colored Glasses yeah. Lady Lay Down yeah. well he's a real good friend of the family Okay, and his, and his parents was uh, real good friends with my mom and dad well you know of course you know that was to the people that they worried about you know well, what 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 what's everybody gonna think? You know, what's the, you know the Connellys? You know, and it's like, you know. <laughs> so, so you know, you you had that. You know, it's right. like uh, uh, when when all this come about. Of course, you know, one of the things I told mom is, uh, and you know, I just looked at her uh, when I did come out, right, and stuff, and she started talking about uh, worrying about her friends. I, I I told her, I said, Mom, you know, I said, I'm gonna tell you something. I have waited a long time. For your friends to die so I can be myself and they won't do it. They refuse to die. Now, you know, I'm getting old here and I can't wait no longer. That is fantastic. <laughs> so, so, you know, so, you know, uh, and of course I was smitten. 
I was joking about it, of course, sure. you know, because I, I I wouldn't wish anybody to right. die, you know, you know, or nothing like that. But but you know, she just uh, but Bryce said that away. She finally, I think, that she kind of looked and thought, well, you know, yeah, you can't just keep putting up your wife right. waiting for you know, you know, that sort of change to happen. I think right. they kind of flicked the switch. Like, okay. <laughs> right. And that that okay. does kind of ring true. You know, they're always, when I was trying to come out, I kept getting those those speed bumps of, well, just wait until so-and-so is, is not here or dead or moved away or, or this right. event isn't happening, you know, and, and you can't wait because you'll be waiting forever because there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something, you know, and it's just like, uh, yeah, I, I, I was hoping I could uh, make it till my son grew up. You know, right. and so I, I kind of made that go. You know, he was he was pretty much of age when I come out and everything. And of course, uh, me and Mary stayed together for quite a while after I come out and and, and stuff. So you know, uh, so it, it just uh, that 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 worked out really good because you know that was really important because I didn't want to uh, um, I wanted to be there for my kid and stuff and. Uh, uh, so you know uh, that was a big that was a real big for me and the coming out process for you was it was very difficult but it, everyone was pretty much okay as far as what i what i took in yeah uh matter of fact my dad <clears throat> my dad come home one day and there's a, a power store here in town big redneck shop you know it's not <laughs> here anymore unfortunately the folks of uh uh, some of the older guys that owned it and stuff passed away, and mm. the uh, you know just kind of it, it it went away. Right. But the farm I worked on at the time, my younger brother, and my father was both connected. To, we was all three on the same farm at that point, and we took all the tires from the farm that needed repair to the shop. You know, the mower tires and tractor tires and stuff like, or truck tires, not the tractor tires, the truck tires and stuff like mm. that. There to be plugged. And um, so when I come out, you know, you know. These are big, burly redneck dudes. I mean, right. yeah, I'm, I'm talking big, burly redneck <laughs> dudes. You know, I'm talking about guys like myself, you know, people right. like myself, you know, yeah. scrawny little girls and stuff like, or whatever. But uh, <clears throat> So my dad comes home one day and had apparently been to the tire store to get a, a tire fixed. And he come home and he said, uh, well, I had to go get a tire fixed. And Steve, Steve asked me, he said, uh, is it true what we hear about Alan or... Uh, the person known now as Alana. And Dad said, I'll laugh. <laughs> and, uh, Dad said, uh, oh, yeah, it's true. And so Steve looked at him and said, well, I've got news for you. He said, if anybody bothers her, they'll have to answer to us. Nice. So, you know, nice. that's the kind of things I got here and the kind of things that totally took me by surprise because I didn't expect that. Sure. You know, I didn't expect that, that level of support. In this in this small community and everything, but uh, but of course I knew a lot of little secrets that was going on here in town too that goes on you know in a lot of towns because they have their secrets. Right. And so I knew there was a lot of things going on here in town. Like there was uh, people into the swinger scene that uh, I knew lived in this town, you know, and stuff like that. And right. so I knew not everybody in this town was living the quote unquote uh, supposed legitimate lifestyle right, that, you know, exactly. a lot of people would deem acceptable mm. to the community. So, you know, there was parts of me that really didn't fear anything because I knew the secrets, a few right. secrets. Right. And But then there was a part of me that said, well, you know, here's this place over here, man, that's really populated with these redneck dudes, you know, how are they going to respond? How's 
this group going to respond what's going to happen yes there are still questions but you know but those were laid to rest pretty quick and now that that kind of the dust has settled around you and and you are as you are alana um how are is it just normal for everybody is it just daily life now for mom dad every you know your your son are they you know just normal about it yeah pretty much um uh, my mom still calls me alan you know mm-hmm. uh and my mom is 72 years old yeah and she knows the female and she uh she really works hard at trying to treat me as such i mean she's bought me uh, dresses and brought me a purse back uh, from the trip she took to <laughs> catlinsburg and and stuff like that, but the main thing she has difficulty with, you really? know, and, you know, and I don't say anything to her about that, because, I mean, she's 72 years old, right. you know, and stuff, and, and, and I'm not going to upset my mother, you know, sure. uh, by, by, no way am I going to do that, right. because I don't know how long I'm going to have my mom, Sure. you know, and I just want to enjoy the time we have together, I don't care what she tells me, right. you know, so, so that doesn't bother me, you know. Um, as far as people out in town, like the deputy sheriff, I go into the sheriff's office and say, hey, Alana, how you doing? <laughs> um, I go to Kmart, and uh, I was, up until just a few days ago, that was had been my pharmacy forever. I recently had to make a change in that, which was bad, but I didn't do that. But um, it wasn't anything they'd done wrong. It's just nature of the beast because of insurance. But, uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I'd go out there and pick up prescriptions. It was always Lana, and all them had read the book and would sometimes ask me about the book, you know, or, or you know, want to talk a little bit about it or, or whatever. Uh, I was walking out of Kroger, uh, Kmart here a while back and got chased down and asked if I had a copy of the book the person could buy, <laughs> you know. So, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's right now it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm referred to as Alana in town and, uh, stuff like that, and uh, it's just uh, now the dust has settled and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just really uh, uh, I'm being treated in the manner that you know you'd be proud of. Right. You know, and I, you know, I really appreciate the people here in this town for being who and uh, who they are and and how they are. You know, it, it gives me a lot of hope for small towns because usually we don't hear the best things about them. And when you look up, I looked up your your town the other night just to get a get an idea of it and you know pops up on the map and it's like oh my god that is tiny <laughs> tiny uh, and it's it is. a farming town and it's just to think that these people are okay that's fantastic <laughs> that's fabulous yes it's this population of 8,000 yeah you know and um, so it, it is small there's I, I where we live we're in the subdivision, but we're considered to be out in the county, mm. you know, because the subdivision does back up to uh, farms and stuff, farmland and stuff. So we're we're actually considered the county, even though we're in the subdivision. But I can walk out of the subdivision and be in for sales and on foot in a couple of minutes, you know. Oh. So <laughs> when uh, when you uh, drive from Frankfurt and you get to for sales and you enter for sales. On to um, um, North Main to the other end of South Main to go through town is probably about a mile, if that. Wow. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's really small. So, you know, uh, so yeah, we have nothing. We have one Kroger store where you do your shopping, and Kmart is the only other place. You know, we don't have a Walmart, uh, we have a Kato's. Whatever that is. 
But <laughs> yeah, Kato's is a uh, female clothing and oh, stuff. It's a okay. clothing store. So so yeah, it's uh, a Kato's and uh, and so you know a couple of auto parts stores and a couple of convenience. Yeah. Uh, stores and stuff like that, but you know it's it's not very big. No, it's not very big at all. So you know it's uh there you you can walk. You can as a matter of fact they have street parties. And you can walk from one end of uh actually downtown downtown, uh walk from one end to the other and back in just a couple of minutes. You know I mean it's just like when they have the street parties. Uh, both sides of the street be lined with tents and stuff, and you know have the good uh what we call carnival food. You know like the yeah. turkey legs right. and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And but you can walk down one side, and then walk back up the other side, and you know of course the whole 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 trip, you know you're talking, seeing people you know, so you're talking. But I mean, uh, you can actually stand at one end where the tents begin and look at and see the the other end. Crazy, you know, and you're pretty much seeing pretty much the entirety of the downtown for sales, you know, (laughs) at a glance. That is quite the statement. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I love it. Yeah, I just really love it. You know, I did tell them, though, if they put in one more stoplight, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and we've got two one-way streets. Wow. One runs around behind the courthouse, and then the other one runs around behind McDonald's. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> you know? That is so alien to me. <laughs> <laughs> so actually... In Versailles, you cannot accidentally get on one-way street at all. You know, you can't, you can't accidentally do that because the only two that exist are two I mentioned. You can't just get on accidentally. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, a, it's a really simple place. <laughs> very, very. And that's, that is a good thing. And we've got to take just a little break for a moment to hear these fabulous messages from our friends and supporters. But we'll be back on the Fabulous D Show with the artist D and Alana right after this. This is Mac Danger from Swillin' Radio and also from Dead Cowboy Rebellion and Twin Rivers. You are currently listening to The Fabulous D Show with your host, the artist D. Juiced Talk Radio. It's juicy. Juicetalk.com. Hear Frank Catolo's Catolo Chronicles. Imagine if there were, imagine if, like, there were companies that made cookies, and they only got together to make, like, one, a certain amount of cookies for a certain amount of time, okay? Transistor by Velvet Steel. You know, you've got short nipples, you've got long nipples that stick up from the body, you've got big areolas, you've got small areolas, you've got different colors, you've got hair growing off them, you've got everything going on, you've got veiny nipples, you've got all kinds of different things. But for some people, they have really small nipples. And the Fabulous D Show by me, the artist D. You bring this out in me. (laughs) I know. And this is, that's why this is so unique, because you could do a million of your own shows. And I would never do this there, no. (laughs) Exactly. You'd never start saying, who did they suck off to get that? (laughs) All at Juiced Talk, archived for your listening pleasure. Juicetalk.com. Testing me up, baby. This is Becky Cannon, and you're listening to the Fabulous D Show. This is Campus Christmas, and it's Matters of Box of Frogs. And don't forget to sign up on Transtastic.com, the most fabulous transcended social network site in the world. 
Where can you hear independent music, underground opinion, and more? Tune in to 4Culture Radio at 4Culture.com. We're unearthing the underground audibly. Hi, we're noblesse oblige. You're listening to 4Culture Radio. Our artist is fabulous. Welcome back to the Fabulous D Show broadcasting from Earth. And we're back on the Fabulous D Show with Alana Nicole Scholler, author of Hung in the Middle. Uh, in, in your book also, a lot of transgender people go through, you know, transgendered issues, but a lot of them don't really vis- visit their sexuality. And, you know, it, it's sex versus gender. And a lot of trans people seem to really focus on only one or the other. But you really went down <laughs> both roads um, and with your sexual orientation, experimenting and finding out what you were. And that must, that was, you know, it kind of added more to it or more to your, your depth and and fire, but you really dug deep on, on sexual orientation and, and coming out. Right. Yeah. It, uh, I was really confused because, you know, uh, uh, of course the the sexual orientation, you know, thing, uh, I had no idea. I just do, I, I just, I felt different, and I didn't know why. Um, and so, you know, I, I thought maybe gay. So, you know, I, of course, you know, I knew that if I ever went that route, you know, once I'd done that, you know, I could never undo it. And I, I was just hoping if I, uh, I, I, I could, if I went that route, I wouldn't come away hating myself or or something. I had no clue. I was scared to death. Uh, but uh, but then at the same time, I was kind of attracted to the idea, you know, and stuff and and. Um, so it just kind of, I talked to Mary about it, you know, and, uh, uh, we, we decided, you know, okay, you know, we've got to do something. So, yeah, you know, I, I was out one day and, and had been friends with this person for a while and this guy. And, and so, uh, I just come around and we were sitting down eating together. I was having lunch, uh, there and he'd come over and join me. And, uh, I just come out and ask him, I said, uh, you know, I hope, that, you know, if, if I ask this and you get mad, feel free to hit me, but, you know, uh, are, are you gay? And he said, yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I'm gay. And, uh, he said, kind of bisexual. He said, uh, I prefer men over women. He said, I've been, I have been past been with both. And he sat there for a minute and he kind of looked at me and he said, uh, are you? And I'm like, uh, well, I've never been with the guy, but I was kind of curious. <laughs> and I said, I'm not sure if I'm gay, bisexual, what's going on, but there's something going on, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure, but I think I might be bisexual. And he's like, oh, that is so good to hear. He said, because I've always wanted to tell you how cute your buddy is. <laughs> 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 and so he, he was the first person I was ever with, you know, um, of the same sex. And, you know, um, it, 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 it was nice, you know, because I really did enjoy it. Right that, you know, and everything, and uh, so, you know, I thought I might be on the right track for a bit, you know, and everything, because I really did enjoy um, uh, being with a guy, right. you know, and, and stuff, but the weird thing was, is the more that we had sex, the more this other feeling just kept, hmm. it's like this voice in your head, you know, where it's saying, yeah, I just kept feeling really feminine, right. and, 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 you know, like when I would wanting to hold me or touch me or something, I, I, I started getting this girly thing going on, you know, where where I was totally female with this person. 
you know, and stuff. And it, it was just really weird. The more that we, uh, that I had that sort of sex and stuff, the more that girly thing seemed to just kind of, and then it just, blam, you know, it's like, uh, the bells and whistles went off. And, um, then I, uh, that's when I started looking into, okay, how can I possibly be female? I know how I felt about my mom's dress and all that, but I don't understand this, you know? And then that's when, you know, I started researching and then finding the information that led me to where, you know, um, I realized there were transgender people and, and this wasn't a, a new thing or I wasn't messed up, you know, that mm-hmm. this thing really existed, you know. Right. And so uh, so it, it was a real confusing thing, and uh, I, I went through a lot trying to figure it out. Definitely. And you, you put on your mother's dress at age eight and really did not do anything like that again until, like, your late 30s, was it, that you dressed again? Right. I mean, when I put on that dress, uh, my mama sat down and, and had that little purse and looked in that mirror and thought, my God, this is me. You know, uh, uh, that was the last time I ever mm. thought, thought, of course, yeah, it crossed my mind from time to time. Sure. It says book, you know, when I would be in uh, the moments where I, I had time for my mind to, to roam and stuff like that. And I tried to keep my mind busy for it wouldn't roam, but, <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't always successful. But, uh, when I thought I dress, I just, yeah, it, it just felt right, you know, and, and then that's when I made a hard turn and started, you know, living a really risky lifestyle and stuff because I didn't care whether I lived or died, you know, I mean, that wasn't the problem, you know, and I really think that that attitude is what kept me from getting hurt yeah. because I really feel like you have to care about living in order to die, and I didn't care about living. That's true. So therefore, I, I couldn't get hurt. Nothing hurt, seemed to hurt me. I couldn't, you could not hurt me. Right. And I really developed this thing where I thought I had superpowers because I could wreck a car 115 miles an hour and walk away with no bruises. Right. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> so, so it got bad, you know, it really got bad from, you know, just trying to hide that stuff, you know, and, and, and the things I'd done to try to do it and try right. to man up and try to try to be this tough person, you know. Yeah, when, when it catches up to us, that's usually when it, it gets more dangerous, when we start to think about, holy crap, can't believe I'm still alive after all that. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now you try to be careful, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, my God, you know, I got so much to live for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please don't hit me. You know, right. Don't run that stuff like you hit me. I, right. I really want to live. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it was crazy because, you know, one of the stories that didn't make it into the book hmm. uh, because of the length of the book, and uh, we didn't want to interrupt the flow, but right. I actually wrecked the pay. Uh, the last wreck I was in was a little Suzu pickup truck. Hmm. And it left the curve, and long story short, I hit a tree head on with no seatbelt on. Wow. I went over the steering wheel, bust the windshield with my uh, with my head, glued to the windshield, went sliding across, oh, uh, took goodness. a rear view mirror off the windshield with the side of my face. My body went up against the top cab of the truck and slammed down in the floor, and when the truck stopped, I was wedged between the dash and the truck seat with my back against the uh, passenger side door. Oh, wow. You know? <laughs> and I walked That's away from crazy. it, you know, literally walked away from it. And it's like, my God, you know, I, I just like, but that wreck, I, I swear to God, when I lost control of the truck, I, I thought, what, what's the last thing I said to Mary? Hmm. Because I really thought that when I saw a tree coming towards the truck, okay, I'm dead. Hmm. I'm not going to live through this one. There's no way I'm going to live through this wreck, yeah. you know. You, you've been everything from in numerous car wrecks to trampled by a horse and, 
a whole lot more, and <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> and you just keep getting back up. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, people question that, and I say, well, you know, I just, uh, I'm like a basketball fan. I bounce good. <laughs> you know, I bounce really good. <laughs> Absolutely. And, so. and that really, that's pretty much why this is, as I said on Facebook the other night, Hung in the Middle, probably one of my favorite books of the year, because I just couldn't get through it fast enough. I, your, your life is like that phrase, you know, the truth is better or stranger than fiction, because you just want to get to the next moment, like, oh my God, what happens next? You've really had a very high energy life, and, and it keeps, you know, with the, the good and the bad, really, because just yeah. when we thought we got through it with your gender, then, bam, you find out you've got HIV, which was, right. like, devastating. I, I That was totally left field, because... You don't even think about that sort of thing. Right. And it's it's really surprising. But the way that you handled it and and came through it in the book, I think, you know, no better person could write about it in this way that it's really, it's hard. It, it's, there was a lot of suffering there and a lot to go through. But at the end, you're, you're still standing and HIV is not a death sentence, which really people still don't understand, I don't think. Uh, a lot of people don't. And, you know, but I have found, too, you know, and it, it's it's kind of spooky in a way. Uh, I've had a few uh, encounters, you know, I'm still kind of, uh, not that me and Bobby, you know, do anything idiotic or anything like that. Right. <laughs> uh, that idiotic's not the word I'm looking for, but uh, we don't sexual experiment outside the uh, uh, of our marriage, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, but there has been a couple of times, you know, where, you know, she realizes that once in a while, you know, you know, I, I still have a desire once in a while to be with the guy. Right. You know, and so, you know, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I talk to guys and stuff and, and look at the possibilities and stuff like that. And in doing so, you know, some guys, you know, when you say HIV or something like that, you know, they're going to take off and that's it. Right. You know, but there's others. They're like, well, at least I know where I stand, you know, I know what we'd have to, you know, we'd have to use protection, blah, 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 you know, but it'd be all right because, you know, uh, and so, and then there's others that just seem like they don't worry about it at all. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I find that there's a, a lot of people has relaxed some on the HIV issue to the point that it's kind of spooky because uh, there, there are people that says, well, you know, HIV is not a problem because now they have medications. Right. <laughs> And and your life expectancy has really improved a lot due to the medications. Right. I seen a thing on the computer the other day about that. You know, I can live a normal life. Sure. Uh, you know, as long as you take your medications as directed, constantly, right. every day, as prescribed, you you can be okay. Mm. But the thing is, is they don't realize that the medications are one, they're tearing your liver up. Right. Uh, the little inopportune infections that you can get, like. Uh, I get parasites sometimes, right. which causes um, my stomach not to be real happy with me, you know, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I have to visit the potty quite often, you mm -hmm. know, especially early in the morning when I first get out of bed, so you feel sick sometimes. Right. And this isn't for everybody. Not everybody that uh, takes the same medication as me would react the same because we're all different. Sure. But for me, for me, uh, you know, a lot of mornings I get really nauseous. And stuff like that, and so you know, uh, even though HIV isn't a death sentence, there's a lot you still have to deal with by having it. You know, sure. Uh, like 
there's no way that I would ever get in a sexual situation with anybody without first telling them that I have HIV. Right. There's some people out there that won't tell you that. And you can go to prison for doing that. Absolutely. You know, if you have sex with somebody and you don't tell them you, you're, you have HIV, they can put you in prison for mm-hmm. that, you know. And so so it's, it's, it's really, you know, you, it, it, some of it kind of still bugs me, you know, when mm-hmm. I see what people do or they don't do yeah. or what they say or don't say and stuff like that. And, because it's, it's really, even though it's not a death sentence, there's a whole lot that still exactly. goes into uh, living with HIV, you know, yeah. it's and not I, good. We, we kind of have to flip the coin now with, before it was, you don't want it because it, it's going to kill you, but now we still need to flip it over to educate people that you don't want it because, yes, it, you, it won't kill you, possibly, but you, you still need a lot of upkeep and a lot of drugs, and that's a lot of money and a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When a friend of mine uh, got diagnosed with that, I mean, that was probably five ten years ago now and and we just cried our eyes out because you know this was death that's what we assumed and then you know he went through the process of finding out about it and getting educated and it was like oh okay it's not death it's just a lot of work but you know it's still we're, we're kind of working through that where some people still think it's it's a tragedy some other people think it's nothing so we kind of need to bridge that gap and and update people on what it really is today yeah yeah, because it's definitely not a death sentence, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, but it's not the HIV. It's what some people don't understand. It's not always the HIV that right. uh, causes a person to lose their life. A lot sure. of times, it's the inopportune infections yeah. that somebody can get. If you're, if like my immune system is really strong now, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I just uh, changed doctors as well uh, due to insurance issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. I had to. Uh, they put me into a program through the University of Kentucky. And so uh, this is going to enable me to get better treatment and a lot uh, at a big time reduced cost because the wow. medical was over $700 a month. Wow. And so I really need to back that up because, I mean, you know, it's just, just it was getting outrageous. It's getting to be a problem. Um, so I started going to UK and they just recently done blood work on me. Well, my CD4 sales, which measures, you know, the, uh, the viral load in your system, uh, I'm at like 1,285. You know, so my uh, wow. which is great. That is great. You know, which is a great number because uh, my number started out when I was first in, uh, diagnosed. I was uh, my CD4 had drop dropped down to uh, 600, and that's as low as I never got. Uh, and of course, you know, it doesn't go into eight until you're down to I think around 200 right. on your CD4 count. That's... And so mine was never went below six, got up to nine, and stayed at nine for a long time. And then when I got with Bobby, it eased up towards a thousand, and now I'm at twelve hundred eighty-five, which is almost Amazing. getting close to being uh, normal. That's, you that's know, on your CD4s. That's quite the standard. And then my uh, immune system is really strong. So, so you know, uh, that is all good stuff because with a strong immune system, then you're more able to fight off the infections and uh, that you could have gotten. Maybe you're not going to get them now. Yeah. So. And, and throughout the story in, in the book, as well as, as tonight, you've mentioned a few times, you know, in the book, you, you say you do your copay and then you go to therapy. And on tonight's show, you, you mentioned you, you have insurance and you're one of the lucky ones who do have the insurance. But how how is it with a transgender person and insurance in America today? If you do have it, are they treating certain trans issues? Does it does that help you out any? Uh, not me personally. Mm. 
um, some I think that varies from state to state, uh, kind of. And uh, uh, I know uh, with different insurance companies, I've seen some places, you know, I've heard that uh, these, uh, some people are getting uh, treated and the insurance is covering it. In Kentucky, Kentucky's about one of the worst places in the world for insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're really right below. And, and of course, insurance across the nation, period, needs Big time reform, period. Yes. I mean, because just like my situation, my insurance kept going up to the point I couldn't afford anymore. Uh, the plan that I was on went up. They was one eight hundred dollars a month just for the insurance. Oh, <laughs> well, I had to drop to the bottom rung of the ladder to keep insurance. I had to go to the bottom rung of the ladder, which was still over five hundred dollars a month. That's and then when I went to my infectious disease doctor, the bill was one hundred fifty bucks. The insurance only paid 20 bucks, and I had to pay 130 <laughs> And that's insurance? That, I mean, there's a problem not you know, exactly, with insurance, yeah. you know. Yeah. And they, they call it affordable health care. I don't care. <laughs> I ain't saying affordable about this health care. Wow. Whose income are they basing this affordability on? Exactly. <laughs> that's what I want to know. So, so, yeah, insurance is a problem. And, and one, they, need to, uh, they do need to fix the insurance for all people, all citizens of the United mm-hmm. States. And I would like to see them uh, start including, you know, uh, uh, insurance to cover a lot of this tra- the transgender issues and stuff. And it, it could really only help the insurance company to do that because instead of paying for a person, uh, you, you're constantly, uh, I'm not going to say every transgender person, let, I want to make sure people understand that mm-hmm. I'm not saying every transgender person uh, has to stand therapy or sees a psychiatrist right. or is on depression medicine, but... I have been, mm-hmm. and I've talked to others that are. Well, a lot of that depression is caused due to the fact that we can't live our life the way we're meant to. Exactly. You know, we can't have the surgeries that we're meant to have. Right. Why not pay for the surgeries? Mm-hmm. And uh, that fixes maybe the depression right. instead of keeping people medicated and going to therapy. You know, I yeah. think they'd save money in the long run if they'd just, you know, pay for the surgery. Yeah, yeah I mean, a lot of people are just, I think I said this a few shows ago, that the, everyone goes to the doctor for medications because they're depressed, but nobody talks about changing their lives, which is what is depressing right. them in the first place. Right. It's amazing. Right. So I think they're more curious about putting a Band-Aid on the problem instead of just, you know, fixing mm. the problem, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's better for the drug companies, but who knows. Now, and, and your book has changed a lot of people's minds, I'm sure. And as you went through the book, I mean, you talked about friends who, who said they, they can't hate you because they know you and they love you. And if they just saw some random, random transgender person or gay person or bisexual person out there, they might have a bias against them. But because they know you, you really change their mind. So that's really, really quite fabulous. You changed my mind, actually. You and Bobby changed my mind. Because I was surprised that in, in near the end, you know, Bobby loved you as Alan, but could not really get into it loving you as Alana and, and really had, had some fears there and, and was standoffish about it for very long. But really, by loving you, came out of that and, and accepted you as Alana. Seeing you that, you know, you are you, no matter what you look like or who you are, you, you're you. So that, that really changed my mind. And I think that is a statement that not many people make is that you can, you know, just because you're straight and you think you love one type of person, it can change. And she changed. Right. Yeah, she did. And, uh, I mean, it was uh, amazing to watch her transformation, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And uh, uh, it just, 
I mean, we had had the relationship way back before she knew about Alana and stuff like that, and uh, uh, so she had kind of followed, but she never, uh, it, it was a long time before she ever even, yeah. even knew about the Alana stuff right. and everything, so, uh, so you know, it was pretty much a shock at the beginning there, everything, and of course, when she found out about the HIV, of course, you know, it, it caused a lot of pain and stuff right. like that, but, uh, uh, but she really, I mean, uh, the level of support and stuff, uh, when she was able to start making what she calls her transition, mm. <laughs> That's right. uh, yeah. was pretty amazing and everything. And, and I'm, I mean, after I moved in with Bobby, I have only combed my ha- own hair maybe five times <laughs> in the five or six years that I've lived in this house because, wow. I mean, she sits oh. me in the chair. She wants to, she drives my hair. She combs my hair. Uh-huh. Uh, if I'm going to a speaking engagement or book signing, she does my makeup and, and, and I mean, I don't do anything like that on my own. You know, she, she, she does it all, you know. And, uh, so I mean, she's just not, not that she's just supported, but I mean, she goes above and beyond, you know. Definitely. And, uh, because, uh, she just wants me to look the best and, and be the best. And, and so she feels like in order to do that, she's going to help me do it. Right. You know, and so, you know, her support, goes above and beyond anything I've ever, that I ever imagined yeah. possible, and, you know. Uh, yeah, like anybody. I said before, she is clearly fabulous. She's just full of energy and positivity. Yeah, and actually, she's working on her book right now. It's, uh, oh. uh, I don't know if you've seen the title of her book or I not. And the no. Cover's cute. I'll, I'll, have, we'll, we'll, I'll tell her to send you a, uh, yeah. a thing on, on the cover of a book so you can see it, but it's called my husband looks better in lingerie than I do. <laughs> so that's going to be the title of her Good book. title. And it's going to be about her perspective and how she had the transition and, and change and, and uh, how she felt and, and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, she's a little over halfway through now. Awesome. With, with that. Yeah, so. you know, we don't really ever realize that we're transitioning as, you know, in in this huge way to us, but... The people around us too go through their own transition because of of their perceptions. They do, and you know, of course, you know. Uh, just on a, a side note, really, uh, but you know, my father's passed away now. Mm. My father's gone. He he, he he got killed in a car wreck. Uh, oh. We really think he had a heart attack and was probably dead before the impact. Mm. But you know, he ruled it as in, uh, blunt force trauma oh, okay. from the accident was the cause of death, but. After he passed away, me and Bobby had done a couple of benefit shows at a bar in Lexington, and she was sunny. I was share. And <laughs> I love that picture. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's actually a video of the show. I think it might be on the fan page. Okay. I'm not sure, uh, but there's actually a video. And uh, I, 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 when she sends you a, a thing on the book cover, yeah. I'll get her send you a link to that because yeah. it's pretty cool. But uh, but my point being, my mom came to that show and was in a gay bar watching us perform. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I love that. I mean, my little mom up there, you know, and I mean, she's come up the stage and even giving me tips. And, you know, <laughs> so it was really cool. <laughs> Definitely. But my mom, my sister, and my son was all at the show. So it, it was That's really cool. awesome. <laughs> uh, one more thing that I, I have to pull out of the book because it's just, I thought it was the best, um, best statement. It was about the Coke bottle. Right. Tell people about the Coke bottle, just so they know. The the, the Coke bottle, Bobby's analogy on the 
the Coke bottle, uh, if you see a Coke bottle, you assume it's got Coke in it. But if you pour orange in it, do you have Coke or do you have orange? So really, it's not the bottle, it's what's inside the bottle that counts. That was like the best statement. I loved it. So true. Don't judge a book by its cover. (laughs) Yeah, she she has a few of them, trust me. (laughs) I'm sure. We'll have to have her on next when her book comes out. Yeah, yeah, she, uh, she, she, she really has a way of explaining stuff to people, yeah. you know, and and, uh, and I hope this, this, I keep this as uh, good as I can. But uh, a woman once asked Bobby, said, uh, "I've got to ask you a question. So, how does it make you feel when you go to bed and your spouse comes to bed dressed as a woman for y'all to have sex?" And Bobby looked at her and said, honey, said, when we go to have sex, we're both naked. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nobody got nothing on. Ain't nobody dressed no way, no how. You know, there's no, you know, (laughs) we're naked. You know, there's no dress to it. (laughs) And so Bobby just, that was like in the courthouse here in Versailles. She told that woman. (laughs) So that's Bobby. That there is Bobby. That is the perfect, (laughs) fabulous gem of wisdom there. (laughs) So, Alana, where can we find Hung in the Middle? Where can we get it? Uh, uh, If people go to uh, www.hunginthemiddle.com, they can get it there, which would be shipped from the publishers uh, up in uh, Michigan. Uh, and the thing about going to hunginmiddle.com is there's a lot of uh, interviews I've done on their videos. There's a lot of um, uh, pictures and a lot of different things on uh, on the uh, website for people to see, including links to buy the book. And, of course, you know, they can go and get the book at amazon.com and even read reviews of, of what other people have said about the book on Amazon, which has been totally amazing mm-hmm. that, that the comments on Amazon about the book. And then, again, it, you know, like Barnes & Noble as well on their website. And uh, it is in Kindle or Paperback out of one, you know, awesome. so uh, whatever, whichever way they prefer to, uh, to to get that book, you know, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, they can get it Kindle or Paperback, or they can order it from the website and through the publisher. Mm-hmm. So com, and is there anything next, or, or is it too soon? Actually, I've been trying my hand at fiction, and I uh, oh. just published a book called uh, The oh. Horn Dog Bar and Grill, which <laughs> my mom liked a lot because it's it's got a hillbilly boy in it, of course. You know, I like country. <laughs> uh, but he's actually in the city, but, you know, there's a big battle scene in there and stuff. But he's dealing with uh, sexuality mm-hmm. and sexual orientation and trying to figure out where he fits in and, and stuff like that. And, and my mom read the book, and she said, you know, she said, the sex scenes flow. She says, not my type, type of sex, mind you, but it flows. And like I say, she reads books all the time, so she's great at, at catching mistakes and, right. and telling her how you need to fix this. Right. And But she said, but the, the story, she said, I love the story. So my mom read it and, and loved it, but it's uh, it's uh, that's one that I've done, which is on Amazon as well. Awesome. And then I started another book. But I'm, I'm trying my hand to fiction in between because uh, there will be a follow-up to Hung in the Middle, but that can only happen if I have surgery. Right. You know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because, you know, even though I have some things I could write about, right. again, I'm in that position where I don't feel like it would be feasible for me to write right. without having the surgery, you exactly. know, and stuff like that, so I can finish out the story, you know, and stuff like yeah. that. And um, is that in your future, near future, distant future? 
Uh, right now, it looks really distant. You yeah, know, probably. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's just, you know, it's just that money thing. Right. You know, that a lot of people are faced with and sure. and stuff like that. You know, and I find, you know, uh, there are a lot of things in life right now. Uh, I'm, I'm perfectly content. Yes. You know, I would love to have facial feminization and, and breast surgery and stuff like that, uh, of course. But you know, there's also I've, I've got things in the uh, in perspective. You know, and it's called life. Yes. <laughs> and there's a lot, a lot of living. You know, uh, yeah. getting food on the table, uh, keeping the house up, keeping a lot yeah. of things going. And so, you know, uh, I've got to take care of uh, a lot of stuff before I, sure. I think about. You know, taking that step, uh, taking that step, I, I, I would never take away from the family. Right. You know, it needs to accomplish that goal. You know, I've got to be able to have the funds and not put the family on right. the spot trying to do it, you know. So I've got to be able to do it freely, comfortably, and without putting the family in a bind to, to reach that goal, you know. So, yeah. I, I, so it might take a while. I think that says a lot and it has to be said, you know, because. You you should be happy, as I'm always saying. You should be happy with what who you are, what you are, and because sometimes we can't pay for the things that we wish we could be or have. So you right. really got to work with what you've got, and I think you're doing quite fabulously with that. Well, I appreciate that, and you know, one of the things that I heard a long time ago that made a lot of sense: uh, if you're not happy with who you are right now. How, how can you possibly be happy, mm-hmm. um, you know, once you've made that change? Right. You know, I mean, you know, uh, a lot of times, uh, uh, I was trying to remember, that was in the movie, it, it was uh, it was like he was trying to go to the Olympics or something, mm. and uh, in other words, uh, he had to be happy with himself right. now, because once if he, even if he won a gold medal, he wouldn't appreciate it right. as much. And stuff. So, I, and I, I kind of feel like that's how this is, and everything. I think we appreciate it more sometimes when it, it was a struggle to get it. Right. And I mean, once you get it, then you're really thrilled about it, you know, sure. and stuff. And then, you know, the thing is, but if you ever, if it ever comes to the point where you realize you can't get it, then it shouldn't. You shouldn't let it wreck right. your life either, because exactly. you know you are who you are, regardless of any change, outside change that you make. The uh, who you are is on the inside, not the outside anyway, Perfect. you know. And I'm a Lana no matter how I'm dressed or how I look at the moment. I will always be a Lana no matter what, you know. Absolutely love it. Agree with it 100%. We can keep tabs on you also on Facebook. Just search for Alana Nicole Scholler. You're on there. You're everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. I thank you so much for joining me tonight, and, and it's been, you've made our night. You're awesome. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you having me, and I, I really, uh, it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you. Uh, I've, I've, I, I think I've known of your existence ever <laughs> since day one of the release of Hung in the Middle, and uh, uh, and everything, and always been really impressed with you, and I'm, I'm glad we got to hook up. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we'll definitely talk again of, of your many, many uh, projects, and, and definitely we'll have to talk with Bobby when she releases that fabulous book. Sounds wonderful. All right. Thank you, Alana. You have a good night. Well, thank you, and you too. Alana Nicole Scholler, Hung in the Middle, available now at hunginthemiddle.com. I am the artist D, and you've been listening to The Fabulous D Show.
For this and more, much more, go to thefabulousdshow.com and you'll never be hung in the middle about anything ever again. We hope. We hope. (laughs) Thanks to Derek Bishop for our theme song. And thank you, you, yes you, for joining us. Until next time, please remain fabulous, but don't remain seated. I am the Artist D. Good night. <laughs>